in terms of the um, kind of ways to actually listen to or access your intuition, I, I find having certain questions are really valuable or even kind of guided visualizations. So the one that really kind of unlocked the decision for me was um, asked by my housemate, Danielle. And she, she said, imagine feeling into a space of abundance and where you have all of the time and resources and credibility that you need. And just, just imagine you let go of any sense of scarcity. And then the question was, where do you see yourself and what would you be working on? So for mm. me, it's, it's not necessarily just listening to that voice over the kind of thinky stuff. I think it's more of an integration between the two. Hi, I'm Carlos, co-founder of the Happy Startup School, and welcome to our Happy Startup Community Podcast. Along this journey of building the Happy Startup School, I've had the privilege of meeting amazing people from around the world. Whether it was across a banqueting table at our summer camp festival, or sat at a beach cafe in Goa during one of our retreats, each of them had fascinating stories to tell and interesting ideas to share that have changed how I look at business and life. This podcast is my effort to share these conversations with you and to open up your horizons to new perspectives and ways of viewing the world. I hope that they become a source of inspiration, learning and connection. Enjoy. Now I know full well that this entrepreneurial path is an uncertain one. Uh, and when you decide to claim control over the direction of your work and your life, you also take on the responsibility for the big decisions and regularly uh, I find you don't always have all the information you need to make them you can try and think your way to an answer and systematically weigh up all the pros and cons but that isn't always enough it doesn't take long to google around and find different systems and methods for making big decisions but using these logical approaches can sometimes take more time than you have and also they don't always lead to an answer Sometimes you just have to go with your gut. But how do you do that? And if you're a thinky person like me, who likes to make logical decisions or think that they make logical decisions, going with your gut doesn't always come naturally. So in this episode, I talked to Johnny Miller, who recently shared a Medium post about a big decision. We hear more about the two paths he had to choose between and his approach to making the decision. He shares his own value spreadsheet tool, a fear-setting exercise, and an idea regret minimization concept, and I think that's from Just Bezos. But what I liked most about this episode was hearing about, in the end, he combined these rational strategies with a purely intuitive approach. So if you're a thinky person, but also a believer in intuition, you'll find this episode really useful. Enjoy. Lovely to hear your voice. I feel like it's been a while since we um, since we caught up. Yeah, I can't even remember when we last saw each other. It must have been in Brighton sometime. Yeah, it would have been probably October, November time, maybe. Um, wow. I think I was still doing the escape escape program back then, and yeah, kind of hanging yeah. out. Yeah, in fact, I well, think I, I did like a little tour. I saw. Um, I saw a few of the guys working from platform and I think I just briefly saw you when I was there. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Oh, well, it's, 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 it's great to hear from you. And actually uh, the, the other thing that sprang to mind is 
Um, you you know Tom Powell, don't you? I do. Yep, yep. Later, very well. And his men's group that he started with. You start. You helped him start it. Um. Yeah. So I started the. I started the men's group with. Well, I started, and Tom was one of the kind of first. Um, it was me, Tom, Matt, and a, and a few others. And then when I left, um, it was kind of Tom had planted the seed of the idea maybe about a year mm. before. Um, yeah. And it was pretty clear that he kind of wanted to continue going. So I'm so glad that that's still continuing. And are you, are you part of it now? Yeah. I'm, I've been part of it for the past, I'd say, six months now. Maybe longer. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Wonderful. So, uh, no, it's been, it's been really great. It's been amazing. We, I think one of the highlights was um, we did a, a walk and a wild camping um, trip uh during the summer uh and that was really nice to to yeah basically spend the day walking from i think it was hastings to brighton and then camping out in the oh, sussex wow. Downs. wonderful was that was that organized by kim at all or was that just something that kind of happened that was just something we all sort of agreed that'd be a good idea to do and we just kind of um yeah <laughs> we muddled through <laughs> Oh, amazing. Well, so yeah, I mean, when I left, um, I think Emma was very heavily pregnant with baby number two. And ah, yes. So I assume that he or she, uh, he, I think, is now out in the world. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I there's so many people that I'd like to catch up with, and, and the other, and Tom Nixon as well. I kind of heard from briefly recently as well. Um, cool. Sounds like he's doing good. But yeah, I miss I miss you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's uh, well. The, you're, you're, well, I'm kind of jealous of you out there in Bali doing your thing. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it would be, um, I don't know. It's, it feels almost kind of familiar now to me being here, but I, I guess, um, you guys have, are you still doing the, the ashram trips with happy startups? Uh, we're, we're, it's, let's put it this way. It isn't hundred percent confirmed. Uh, mm-hmm. it's something that's an option. Um, and it all depends. Again, we're we're going through a process at the moment of kind of reassessing mm-hmm. where our energy should be best placed. Mm. Uh, and as much as we love doing the ashram events, it takes a lot of time and energy and focus. Yeah. So um, we definitely are doing altitude in June. Nice. It's whether any of these other retreats um, give us as more energy than it needs to be used to make happen. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well that that is the question I guess. It's it's where do you where do you apply those limited resources of energy and time? Um and, and yeah. how you decide, which I suppose is kind of partly what we what we're gonna be talking about, I guess. <laughs> Lovely segue. It's, yeah, you you're you're well experienced in this. That's great. Um so yeah, the the thing that yeah really sparked my interest in having a conversation with you was that question that you you eloquently put in in that post of the maker's dilemma mm. um and the thing that resonated very much for me is this idea of well the way I would term it doing authentic work mm. and what that means in terms of making decisions and and going down an uncertain path. Um, does that make sense? Does that resonate in how I tried to capture it? It does. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant. 
And so maybe to begin with, uh, for people who are listening who don't know you, why don't you um, uh, let people know in in whatever way you feel most appropriate uh, about who you are, where you are, what you're doing now and how you got there? Sure. So um, I always, it's such, such an interesting question to answer these days. Um, I suppose right now I'm in Bali and I'm currently spending uh, most of my time on the Curious Humans Project, which is a newsletter and a podcast. And I've been doing a few kind of events and workshops. Um and yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I've been doing some experiments for the last, uh, most of this, this year, really. Um, and before that, I worked with an amazing org- organization called Escape the City, leading their startup accelerator program in London. And before that, I had my own startup called Maptia, which is, I think, how we originally connected because um, you very kindly invited me and my two co-founders to speak at one of the happy startup summer camps. Um, many many years ago now the second ever yeah wow (laughs) I mean that feels like a lifetime ago and we shared our it was the story of our our last a thousand days I think was the kind of the framing of the story and we talked about the thousand day journey um, of building Maptia and some of the lessons that we'd we'd learned along the way Um, yeah it's probably been at least another thousand days since we since we gave that talk (laughs) (laughs) At least. Yeah. Well, there's so many things we could dive into there because I'm really there's the map to your question, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it I'm gonna keep it focused. So you are now in Bali, you you're doing the curious humans thing. Um maybe just share what that means to you. Sure. So um Curious Humans was a um I suppose initially it was my uh I, I had a question of what of what why we don't tend to um keep hold of our curiosity um when we kind of grow into adulthood and and how some of the people that i look up to have managed to to reclaim it um and just just why we don't take our curiosity seriously as as adults and um for me this project has been kind of turning the lens of curiosity back on itself and has also just been a a platform for me to explore some of the things that I'm curious in. And I've really been enjoying the podcast, especially, which has just led to very diverse and deep dive conversations with people that I wouldn't usually get a chance to talk to. And mm. it's, it's been, a, I've talked to people from astronomers and poets and philosophers and entrepreneurs and a curiosity researcher. So it's just been a really wonderful, um, jumping off point for deep dive conversations as I'm kind of exploring uh, what comes next and what the next chapter of my life might look like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, so far with this word curiosity, you mentioned that, you know, for whatever reason, many of us become less curious as we get older. Mm. Uh, what, what have you learned so far from your conversations about what, why, and why that happens and also how, how, some people seem to keep hold of it. Yeah, so I think there's a mixture of things. Um, a lot of it tends to, I think it begins in school, as a lot of things do. And I think at school we're, we're, we get rewarded for giving correct answers as opposed to asking interesting questions. 
And I think that's a big part of it. Um, and that kind of continues through university and when we, uh, when we get, have, have our jobs and careers. And so I think a big part of it is learning to take our questions more seriously and learning the, the art of asking good questions. Hmm. Um, there's also different types of curiosity. There's, uh, as I learned from one of the, from Anna Starkey, her name was, and she talks about the difference between diversive and epistemic curiosity and diversive curiosity is, um, kind of the curiosity that you'd associate with, with young children, kind of asking lots of different questions in various different domains, whereas epistemic curiosity is more going deep in one specific area. But I, I th- yeah, it's, I think it's also, I've been thinking recently connected to our tendency to grasp to to not start something unless we know what the outcome is going to be we tend to be very outcome orientated in in the west and so and to follow your curiosity is kind of implied that you're uh, that you don't know what the outcome is going to be and you're kind of going on this um on this path just because you're you're really interested in something and i think a lot of us have a tendency to to grasp hold of an outcome and to be hesitant to start something unless we we know roughly what the outcome is going to be, so I think that's also a challenge for for many of us. Um, but it's a, yeah, it's a really interesting question, and, and I think it's often the birthplace of creativity. Um, I know Liz Gilbert talks about it as being the antidote to depression in some cases. So I, I think it's it's just a very powerful and underrated skill really um and there's uh there's this idea that it's also kind of the insight emotion or the knowledge emotion i know it's been written about before and i think that business leaders and kind of the the corporate world is slowly waking up and taking it more seriously but it's uh, it's definitely a slow process and it's it's been really interesting for me to dive in dive into it yeah no i, I find it fascinating um I quite like the fact that you you mentioned Elizabeth Gilbert because I think this is what she said. I remember uh, hearing a podcast where she defined courage as choosing curiosity over fear. Hmm. Hmm. I love I love that. Yeah, I I hadn't heard her say that before, but um, that definitely resonates. And I think a specific um, a specific area of curiosity that I've been focusing on has been this idea of courageous curiosity which I've framed as having the courage to, to get curious about things which are maybe uncomfortable or maybe painful or maybe difficult questions to ask, um, whether it's looking at kind of shadowy aspects of our personality or asking, asking some of the tougher questions in our life. I think it takes, it takes courage to ask and inquire into certain questions. So that's been a kind of uh, just a recurring theme in some of the conversations that I've had. Mm. courageous curiosity and and so no oh pursuing a path despite the knowledge that it might become uncomfortable is that what you mean yeah that's definitely that's definitely part of it um i think it's often it's just asking questions which are uncomfortable to sit with and or, or maybe sitting with a question and sitting in that uncertainty without grasping hold of the the easy answers, because I mm. I think a lot of us have a very um, 
we, we have a, I guess we, we have relationship to uncertainty and that is in part dictated by our, our upbringing and our school, but it does take courage to sit and sometimes lean into that uncertainty as well. And when you were talking about school and you were talking about, so the, the one, one I was hearing there was this idea of, of curiosity. Um, I felt there's something about some being internally motivated mm. and that with the idea of school, there's this extrinsic motivation that starts to seep into the way we do things. And I was, it was just a couple, you know, 10 minutes ago, actually, I was, I was reading something about external motivation and it was like, what I heard is external motivation is when we aspire to get something others control, mm. whether that's to get a reward or avoid a punishment. Mm. While internal motivation is when no one else needs to provide us with the motivation to act. Mm. And that's something that's just driven by us. Does that match your ideas around curiosity and, and why and what um, curiosity can give us? Yeah, it, it definitely does. And it, I, what came up for me as you were saying that was just the curiosity that kids have where they'll ask sometimes, I think the average is like 150 to 200 questions a day sometimes when they're mm. quite young. And there, there's no there's no kind of external reward for asking a lot of these questions. And, and often they'll get, you know, not punished, but their parents might get annoyed because they're just constantly asking why, why, why the entire time. And I, I think that there is that real intrinsic reward for um, satiating our curiosity. And it, it can sometimes be... Um, almost uncomfortable if there's a question that you really maybe you know like half of the answer but you you don't quite have a complete solution and it's almost it, it you can almost feel your body tense up when you when you want to know the answer to something and it does it feels really good to seek and to kind of have certain questions or problems answered um and yeah in terms of how that maps onto intrinsic or extrinsic motivation Often that's what we kind of learn to be motivated by, I think, a lot of the time. Um, or, or we have to unlearn some of the extrinsic motivating factors in our kind of adult lives, which tend to um, t tend not to result in sen a sense of flow or, or often autonomy, I think, in, in the work that we do. And certainly in my experience, the work that I've really enjoyed doing has been heavily intrinsically motivated um, hmm. with fewer of the extrinsic factors. And so what the, the kind of the pattern I'm seeing, uh, and please correct me if, if this if it doesn't sound right, but there's around the extrinsic motivation, there's a certainty, there's a path, there's a set of steps that feel tangible uh, and um less yeah less uncertain for one you know, for one about a term and then there's the other path of curiosity where you don't know where it's going to lead and it's much more um hazy foggy not clear and and that when we talk when i was asking the question before the difference between the people who maintain their curiosity and those that don't is there something around the need for certainty Hmm. 
Yeah, that's that's interesting. And what um, the image that came up as you were describing that was the idea of a a map versus a compass, and perhaps mm-hmm. the map is what is it, it, tied to that idea of extrinsic motivation, where we have a very clear sense of of what the territory looks like, of or the route from A to B. And we're just kind of following that route and maybe B is a, a great paycheck or kind of um, external validation in some in some capacity, whereas the intrinsic is more of relying on a on a compass. And we're kind of charting much more of a, a kind of terra incognita or this like or like heavy dragons as it used to, as it was written on maps in like the 16th century. Um <laughs> Yeah, and, and and so maybe yeah, I, I quite like that. Maybe intrinsic motivation is more just learning to tune into the into the true north of your of your inner compass. I I love that that <laughs> distinction between having a map and and having a comp or using your compass and and the thing that resonated for me is is a lot of people in the in the work that we do. I think are looking for a map. They want to mm-hmm. find the playbook to building that business that that makes allows them to be happy and do good and and make money um but ultimately while we can present things in that way it is not certain and and what's most certain is what i love what you said and we have an exercise like this that we we give people is like when you have that compass which i i the way i look at it is understanding your values um what gives you meaning and the thing about when you're talking about that compass thing and, and that exploring versus just following a path is the need to be present. Mm. You've got to look down at the compass regularly to see, all right, is this the right direction? Yep. And so, so yeah, the, the, to be able to actually frame that or give the people that, um, that kind of mental model as to whether they just want to follow a map or essentially, and, and I think the other thing that sprang to mind is to create your own map based on your own, com- or based on a, a compass that will help you guide and orient yourself in the right direction. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, and I just think it's cute because it, it then springs to mind this, this, I, this question you, you were, um, you shared publicly around the maker's dilemma mm. and this cho- this choice that you you were having to make um maybe to begin with and, uh, and this is what attracted me to, to talking to you and, and and that map and compass thing again for me underlines what you were trying to do mm. um maybe to start off with just set the scene for people who are who haven't read the post yet sure so a few a few weeks back, I had a a good catch up call with a friend living in London, and um, towards the end of the call, uh, she kind of surprised me by giving me a a job offer um, back in London that would be full time and starting in sometime in mid January, and it was a it was a very kind of compelling offer it was the chief joy and well-being officer at a really exciting new startup with a small team and um it was kind of exactly the sort of thing that um i would have really loved to be on board with and it it just really caught me uh caught me off guard it was really out of the blue and 
I kind of went through this um, quite intense process of of navigating this decision making process and trying on different mental models and different frameworks and really getting clear on what was it that I was motivated by and what did I what what did I have in mind for 2020 and and what really mattered to me um, and it was really the the contrasts of having this uh, this very compelling job offer that got me to question what is it that I've been working on out here for the last few months and um, what was I most excited by so yeah that was kind of the premise of the of the post and then um, so I'm curious about yeah it sounds like you took a quite a um, from what I understood of the post you took a a systematic approach to thinking about this. Um, I, I'm curious as to what were the what was the basis of the dilemma. It feels like on one side there was one picture, on the other side there was another picture. Yeah. So I, describe those two pictures for me, or the two movies of your life that could have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that the two the two pictures uh, there, there were certainly two elements in mind. Um, one was um, the kind of the location and the community that I'd be based in. And there's obviously a, a big difference between being living in based in London versus being being out here. Um, but the, the other was just having the um, having more certainty and clarity around the work that I would be doing, and having a kind of a clear mission, and working as part of a small team, kind of towards that mission, uh, as opposed to what, uh, what I described in the post as ecstatic flailing or enthusiastic flailing. <laughs> um, which is kind of how I would describe a lot of the Curious Humans projects in, in, in some ways. There's a, a lot of enthusiasm and excitement, but it doesn't necessarily feel like it's got that, that clear um, focus, which you, have in a, which you often have in a startup. Um, so it, it was really, um, yeah, it, 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 re- it really felt like a, a strong dilemma at the time. And... Um, yeah, it, it 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 definitely came up for. Do I kind of want to join someone else's mission and um and and have and and kind of have that raft of certainty that would that I could kind of um be carried on, or do I keep kind of hacking away at the at the wilderness and this uh, riding this uncertainty roller coaster? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I so. My impression is this offer in in London. There's mm. a distinct values match. Is that mm. correct? Definitely, definitely. Yep. So there's like it, it, it aligned with the things that you believed in. Mm-hmm. There was a there's this clarity of purpose that I know that sometimes I really struggle with, and a lot of people who are doing their own thing can sometimes struggle with in terms of mm. I know where I'm going to exactly. Um, there's a connection to others, so being part of the team. Uh, so that sounded sounded great. I, I think maybe it helps if I maybe frame this within. Um, so a tool that I'm learning about at the moment is called the Map of Meaning. Mm. Is that from uh, and, Jordan Jordan Peterson? Or? No, this is another thing, uh, and uh, they do get a bit annoyed. They get all mixed up with this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jordan's, Jordan Peterson's got better marketing, I think. Um, 
but yeah, the map of meaning it's uh, it was it was born out of the research piece by uh, a woman called Marie Lane, and I'm not going to try and pronounce her surname because I'll probably get it wrong. Um, okay. She's yeah. based in New Zealand, but anyway, she the, the map itself is split into four quadrants, and from her research, she identified four key areas where we find meaning or what contributes to finding meaning, and one is unity with others. Um, Service to others is another one. Uh, expressing full potential and self knowledge and integrity. Those are the four areas that we look for. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm looking at when you're talking there, I was just like, I, I've just adopted that framework and saying, okay, unity with others, working in a team, mm-hmm. service to others. There's uh, you're doing something positive in terms of you're trying to help bring joy into that team. Uh, and I, I'm not can't remember exactly what the startup does. But I'm I'm assuming that there was a there was a clear need that you were servicing. Yeah. Um, then the question is, uh, was it expressing your full potential, and how did it address your your area of integrity and, and self knowledge? Hmm. Hmm. That. And then. I- Sorry, yeah, you can take. No, 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 you. <laughs> please, please. Uh, so there's that, and so this is why I was thinking in terms, and this maybe I'm just I'm, I'm dissecting it too much, but it was just a way for a way to look at this. Mm. Um, uh, and so the the idea behind this map is that you could have real purpose, and so the idea is, uh, so the example I love to hear uh, that really home for me is a teacher. Teacher has a very strong purpose, and the purpose is to, you know, impart knowledge and then educate others. Mm. But if there's, but meaning is is about the daily experience. Mm. Yeah. And if they don't Absolutely. feel a sense of unity to others, or if they don't feel like they're growing, or yeah. the way they're working is against their values, it doesn't matter how purposeful the job is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give them meaning, and so there's no motivation. So yeah, I was, I was just curious. Is like if you, you're looking at it through that, was there something that was lacking in those two other areas? Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and and I think um, as I kind of wrote in the post, there were a series of um, I, I, I even created my own decision making spreadsheet that kind of looked mm. through the le- and I, I tried to quantify how I felt these different areas were reflected based based on my values which it sounds like kind of quite similar to the workshop or the exercise that you take people through at, at happy startups um i th- i think that definitely for, for me the, there's often a big um there can be a big difference between being part of a of a mission and a purpose versus the daily experience of working on that which which you kind of alluded to um, and I, I love the, I think it's an Annie Dillard quote that how we spend our days is in the end, how we spend our lives. And that was definitely a big insight for me at Map to it, where I felt very aligned with the, the overall mission and purpose, but the, the kind of the daily experience wasn't really connecting me to that, um, that feeling of, of contribution or mission. Um, and with, with this, I, I think that the, um, I think it would be more around kind of the third and fourth quadrant in that um, where I feel like I would be expressing my my gifts or my my fullest potential. And I think that's probably where the the place where the decision was made from. Um, mm. 
Yeah. Could, could you just remind me of the third and fourth quadrant again? What, what so the, the one was, a, and... yeah, expressing full potential. And then it was this integrity mm. and, and basically, yeah, living with integrity. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like I would be, I would have learned a lot in, in either direction. I, I mean, in some ways it was a very fortunate place to be in between kind of choosing to um, work on some of my own projects versus joining, you know, joining a great team. Like it's definitely a very privileged position to be in. Um, I, I think that ultimately the, um, the question or, or, or what, what swayed it in the end was probably a question of integrity. Um, and this idea that I, when I really kind of felt into the, felt into the space of what I, what I wanted to be working on next year, um, or at least for kind of the next, the next chapter of my life, it, it's definitely the, the curious humans project. And, and I feel like I've kind of got this, uh, this thing in, inside me that wants to be expressed and that, um, it's, it's really just kind of fear that is getting in the way of that. And, mm. um, if I'm being, if I'm kind of living in integrity with myself, that is what I feel called to express in the world and the, the kind of the gifts that I feel called to share. Um, which, so I, yeah, I, I think that, um, it probably does come down to the, the, the question of integrity. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting though. It's, a, I, I like the framework. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm, really curious about this idea of feeling into something mm. uh, I'm, and it's taken me a while to, to even just remotely understand what that means um i'm very i was i've been very much head driven a lot of the time and i pride myself in my ability to think and think abstractly mm. um but there is there is a power that i appreciate and uh and I think it's to do with that internal motivation about feeling into something. So for people who might not, you know, even like myself, uh, who, who don't quite grasp what that means, mm. if you were going to talk to a thinky person mm. about feeling into something, yeah, how would you do that? Yeah. So yeah, really, really good question. And I'm, I've definitely also spent the majority of my life very kind of um, rationally and left brain driven as well. Um, and this is something that I'm still learning for myself. I, I think the way that I, the way that I think about it now is almost, almost as a form of listening to our bodies and, and listening to ourselves. I feel like we spend so much time kind of ordering our bodies around and having our bodies, our bodies being subject to the will of our minds. And so there's, there's certain meditations that I've been doing that where I've, I've almost imagined dropping a question into in, into a well and not trying to actively answer it, but just paying attention to any thoughts or feelings or stories that arise and just being present to kind of whatever surfaces. And I've certainly started to notice that when I'm able to, to hold a specific question or a statement, sometimes there will be a feeling arise in different areas of my body. Maybe there'll be a kind of a tightness in my gut, or maybe there'll be a sense of expansiveness in like around in my chest area. Um, and I feel like 
I've been inter or I've been learning to interpret some of those. Um, so, yes, that 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 is being ways of our of our intuition kind of communicating to us and um, accessing a deeper wisdom that is is kind of beyond the rational mind or, or kind of below the critical faculty um, and taking that as as data and very powerful feedback that even though we might not be able to explain exactly why when I have in the moments that I have listened to that kind of intuition or those feelings it's usually or almost always um, worked out for what worked out in the end even though I couldn't have explained exactly why um, mm. I don't know. Does, does that make any sense? Does that, does that resonate with you? Yes, it does. And I think so. I think the challenge I I believe, and I I faced it as well, for a thinky person, is that on the surface that sounds properly woo woo. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! What does that actually mean? And I, I think for me, this is an an ongoing journey of trying to work out how to. Um, well, let me, let me put it this way. It feels like you're able to, to use this uh, feeling into a decision or feeling into a situation mm. um, because you essentially, the way I understand it, you've trained yourself. You, you practiced it and practiced it and then found through experience that when you've done it and you've listened to it in the right way, it's taking you in the right direction. Is mm -hmm. that correct? Yep. And then for someone who's never done that, and it's that thing about trusting your gut. Um, for someone who's never tried to trust their gut, mm. uh, it's a big step into the unknown to even just do it for the first time mm. because of the fear of making the wrong decision. Mm. Yep. And so do you have any thoughts for, for someone in that situation? Yeah, I, I do. I've, I've lots of thoughts. And <laughs> I think... Um, a, a real question for me is when I do have though that kind of deeper or, or that sense of knowing is asking where that is coming from. And, and I think sometimes for me, um, I, f I feel like our egos can be very slippery and sometimes it's uh, th the things that I think I'm desiring or, or that I'm cool towards. It's often just my ego in disguise sometimes kind of looking for a sense of validation or almost you know pretending to be the voice of my intuition <laughs> so I, I think mm. really often it's a case of uncovering what this you know where this source of the feeling is coming from if it is something deeper within or or, or um or just my my ego in disguise i guess um and for someone who is um for this sound this might sound very woo woo um i think the challenge is really just starting off by having some kind of practice of stillness i think it's very hard to to hear that that kind of inner voice or the inner guidance if you have a very kind of choppy or active um surface mind like surface mind um i i, I sometimes think of it as like dropping a kind of dropping a pebble into a into a lake but if there's if there's lots of waves on the on the surface of the lake it's very hard to to see see below so I, I think often it just begins with um calming down a little bit maybe having just having some stillness or having some peace in your day or perhaps a journaling practice um to to just get still enough to kind of listen to whatever is surfacing um 
I, I think that also for me, the practice of morning pages has definitely been very helpful, which is basically just freeform journaling um, most mornings and just gradually giving my, giving that part of my, that kind of right brain part of myself um, permission to, to speak and to have a voice. And so, sometimes it, when, when you're writing, it can almost feel like you're, you're overhearing yourself uh, say or, or think things that you didn't realize were there and it can mm. it can be really profound and sometimes when you you write something on a page or maybe you're in a conversation and you uh, and something comes out comes out that you didn't realize you thought it feels like a real um a real insight and and it's it's, it's very hard to explain these experiences to people but when you when you have a sense of strong knowing it's just it just feels very clear and and it, it's a f- often a sense of lightness or a sense of like, oh, right, or a, a sense of clarity. Um, it's not, yeah, it, it, it's definitely a challenge to wrap words around these experiences. I think we can kind of create signposts that kind of point in the right direction. But mm. um, yeah, it, it and it definitely, like you say, it, it is a practice kind of learning to um, be aware of, our bodies and be aware of how we're feeling um, mm-hmm. in in any moment and especially in moments when we're kind of sitting with difficult decisions no that's that's beautiful I, I like that and and i now am going to attempt to wrap words around it <laughs> <laughs> well the way my thinking mind uh, is taking this uh while trying to fully appreciate that this might limit what what i'm trying to say mm. I loved what you said about our, our egos being in disguise. Mm-hmm. Um, this thing, feeling that, oh, that's the right thing to do. But it feels like the practice allows you to identify when it's the ego whispering in your ear or shouting in this. In the, the, so the, the image I have is the ego shouting in your ear that, ear that this is what you should do. This is what you're feeling. Yeah. And then I liked it really resonated to me or gave me a sense of understanding or appreciation of what the meditative practice does for people, the mindfulness practice, whatever you want to call it, of when you are able to to um, somehow quieten that voice or quieten that cacophony because there's a really, there's a whisper. And that's what the image I got of you, you know, was that inner wisdom or that inner voice. There's a whisper that is kind of speaking what, what the truth is mm. and and then the the, the 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 mechanical sequential link in my head was that through the practice of doing whatever whether it's journaling um meditation but particularly i think the journaling thing is it feels like through that process of writing and rewriting on a regular basis you're able to spot the spot the voice the ego or the voice of the ego in the thoughts Mm. and more easily identify when that's actually taking over rather than the quieter voice. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it, it does definitely. And it, um, I, I think actually the first time that I kind of really experienced this was on, I was on a, a walking trip with a, a poet called David White and he talked about, um, that 
that that that voice the first time that you kind of hear it, it it's almost like uh, it's like a baby kind of slowly learning to walk and it's or or or, or, a, or a young child slowly learning to speak it doesn't really know how to in the beginning and when it um when it starts it's almost uh yeah it's it's a tiny whisper and you really have to kind of lean in to to hear it and that led me to kind of um writing my first kind of few poems last year and i felt like those words came from that place and it's but it it definitely is a uh a, a challenge to kind of access that a lot of the time um and i certainly find myself getting caught up in all of the all of the stories and all of the the kind of the what if questions and and and, and i think it's it's also important to not discount it's not kind of an either or um, in my mind and, and I think that for me going through the different kind of like the fear setting exercise the um, there's a great kind of regret minimization framework that Jeff Bezos talks about and I think that these are still really valuable as well and and as is certainly kind of checking in with, with your values and, and I think for me they help to almost inform your intuition to some extent so that you've got all of the um, all of kind of the raw materials uh, or, or, or the ingredients kind of in your in your body and then feeling in from that place um, so for mm. me it's it's not necessarily just listening to that voice over the kind of thinky stuff I think it's more of an integration between the two and um, listening to the wisdom of, of both oh, that's, that's, no, I'm, I'm fascinated by that and that that um, why here there is I remember in my head it's I remember our, our time as a as a web design studio uh, we used to have this term of using best of breed tools okay so it isn't just one thing it's like we're going to use a suite of all these different tools to create the outcome you needed in this case a really beautiful interactive website mm-hmm. so what what I hear that you've done is you, you've got a selection of tools that you really trust um and that you've combined them to to create or find the outcome that that was best for you mm. uh, what would be interesting um to maybe run us through a couple of those tools that you you used and you talked about the what did you call it the threat minimization the regret minimization yeah yeah sure so um there were lots i i think the ones that i kind of put time into was uh the kind of the decision-making spreadsheet that I mentioned, which was essentially just I had my my values in columns and then the different the two different ideas in rows, and I just kind of mapped out how these how I imagined these two directions kind of fitting into what I considered to be to be my values. Um, mm. There's also a there's there's a really powerful fear-setting exercise, which basically involves. If you if you imagine that, um, say hypothetically, you're, you feel like you're at a, a six out of ten with your life um, in across all areas, and say taking this leap or making this decision would have the potential to, I don't know, put you up to like an eight or a nine, what, um, whatever that, however you define define that, and whatever that looks like. And in the worst case scenario, if everything goes tits up and it, you know, it doesn't work out at all. You get down to like a three or a four, um, again, kind of depending on the situation. And then the, the really powerful question is, what would it take for you to then 
get back to the six that you're currently at. Maybe that's, um, say, say if you're thinking about quitting your job and the question would then be, okay, how, how long and how much effort would it take to then find the same job or a similar job in terms of kind of pay level, in terms of interest and kind of all of those factors. So it, it, it basically kind of de-risks whatever that um, big decision is because it's like, well, in three months or maybe four, five to six months, I feel like I could be um, right back where I am right now um, in the mm. absolute worst case scenario. And maybe in a good scenario, you're, you know, um, maybe you have a successful business or maybe, you know, um, whatever that decision is. So I think that that's definitely helpful. Um, and I also like, uh, this was something that Jeff Bezos talked about. He called it his regret minimization formula, which is a very kind of <laughs> thinky, rational, um, rational way of approaching decisions. But the, the premise is basically imagining you're kind of 70 or 80 years old and just asking the question, which would you be least likely to regret in terms of these two, these two paths? And um, kind of, I, I often find that zooming the lens out really helps you to clarify what is actually important. And I think we can be very myopic when we approach these kinds of decisions. Um, and that as well just kind of helps you to get a bit more perspective and kind of take your, um, take your current uh, emotional turmoil <laughs> out of the picture slightly. Um, and then finally, I'll just touch on, there's, some, there's, a, there's a really great post I'm sure you've read by Elle Luna, and she wrote a post called The Crossroads of Should and Must, which was um, in many ways kind of quite similar to my own, kind of my own decision. And she had this very powerful um, illustration of a, a signpost. And on the left-hand side of the signpost, there were kind of 40 or 50 shoulds pointing to the left. And then on the right, there was a tiny must kind of pointing to the right. And she kind of just talked about this idea that we have all of these, all of these things that we feel like we should do in life. And some of them are important and some of them we, we, we should indeed do. But there's also that voice of must, which I think kind of corresponds to the, the inner voice that we've just been talking about and that, that inner guidance, um, which is maybe it's kind of a little tug or maybe it's just that sense of we feel pulled in, in some direction. Maybe it's a whisper in the beginning and um that for me just just even just that image of that kind of uh, the signpost i think has been has been powerful and then in in terms of the um kind of ways to actually listen to or access your intuition i i find having certain questions are really valuable or even kind of guided visualizations so the one that really kind of unlocked the decision for me was um asked by my housemate danielle and she she said imagine feeling into a space of abundance and where you have all of the time and resources and credibility that you need and just just imagine you let go of any sense of scarcity and then the question was where do you see yourself and what would you be working on and so i did my best to kind of sit upright and really feel into that space and just imagine feeling this abundance in kind of all areas of my life and dropping that question of where do I see myself and what would I be working on into the kind of well of my my chest and my stomach and from that place 
I just it, it just felt like this wave of clarity kind of came over me it was this very visceral kind of felt sense of uh, knowingness that I felt at home here in Bali and that I wanted to put, pour my creative energy into the Curious Humans projects that I've been working on at the moment um, and that were I to take the job as appealing as it was I think it would have been out of a place of of scarcity to some extent um, and that was just it just became very clear in in that moment wow that's beautiful I like that I really and, and that balance I feel there's that that balance of of being able to deconstruct and and, and think of it rationally and, and make particularly your whole uh, things your values and and decision matrix as i understand it <laughs> that helps create a picture that you can maybe or a crutch that you can lean on if, if it gets mm. really really uncertain but this mm-hmm. what i heard though there's the most powerful thing was that visualization and, and i actually shared that quote with um one of the uh, guy called alan Alan Wick, who's who's mentoring us uh, at the Happy Startup School, and he, and he loved that idea because that's one of the things, one of the things that we're doing at the moment is trying to think about the future of of, of the community and what what it is that we want it to be. And and actually, your your post and that particular exercise for me was really important in in helping navigate that those thoughts and and those decisions. So mm. I'm really great grateful for the. For, for you sharing that person, but particularly for, for sharing that way of that's, looking at what to do next. That's really, was, um, I'd be curious to hear kind of what it, what it led to or whether any, um, was it the same question that you, that you asked or was it kind of in, framed in a slightly different way? For me personally, it's, it's about, um, I think knowing what to say no to. Mm. We, we are doing many, many things, or we have done many, many things, and we, there's so many things that we would like to do and would be amazing to do. Mm-hmm. But um, we, there's only so much time in the day, there's only much, so much energy in the body, and there's, and there's other parts of our lives that we also need to address rather than just, just the mission, and it won't be sustainable if myself and Lawrence burn out. Yep. So so there, there was, a, I think what that question or that statement um, helps with is listening to the whisper. Mm. Uh, and the whisper is, again, I love that idea of that that signpost or that post and the fork in the road where you have lots of arrows pointing one way and you have this small arrow pointing the other way, but, but that's the most important arrow. Mm. And so it's, it's looking at for that, what, that's, what is that signpost saying, listening into that whisper. Mm. Um, and what you described as well is, is this idea of um, choosing, well, the way I like to hear, I, I love just that idea of choosing, choosing curiosity over fear. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's what also speaks to me in that statement is abundance. There's no fear anymore. There's just curiosity. There's just a feeling of uh, of internal motivation. Yeah, and, and and I think what comes up for me as you, as you're saying that is I think that the feeling of, of curiosity for me 
maps onto a, f- a kind of a sense of expansiveness. It kind of feels expansive mm-hmm. in my body. Yeah. And the feeling of fear is more of a contraction. It's like a, a tightening in different parts, you know, uh, in, in, often it, for me, it's in my gut, kind of in my belly, but that's mm. how those two emotions kind of act, like physically kind of manifest themselves. Um, I, I'm glad you said that because um, I did that map of meaning exercise for myself, thinking about what we're, what the community means to me. Mm. And in, in the quadrant of integrity, um, peace and ease were the first two words that sprang mm. to mind. Mm. And when you talk about expansiveness and you talk about contraction, peace and ease is very much in, in the expansive space. Mm. Yeah, I, I really like that. And the other thing that I've also been thinking about is I, I think that part of this also for me was I felt like I've been lacking depth and I've been kind of – it sounds like similar to you i've been kind of spreading my energy in lots of different directions and not kind of going deep in any one area and i think that part of this is is also about not necessarily saying a definitive no to certain things but just more not now and that Mm -hmm. i get a greater sense of of flow and satisfaction and just enjoyment from kind of going deep on something for a certain period of time. Um, and then, you know, kind of like lifting my head up again and kind of reassessing. Um, and I think where I've been going wrong is, is just saying yes to everything and not necessarily having the, the depth or the satisfaction in any one area, because I've been, I've been afraid to kind of, um, just focus on one thing because I felt like it would be at the expense of these other things, which I'm also interested in, but it's yeah. more just been about these things can still happen. It's, you know, at some point in the future, I'll, I'll hopefully have many more years or decades left in my life. There's, there'll be plenty of time for them. Um, but mm. I just kind of want to focus on one or maybe two things for now that I can really pour my energy and attention into. And it sounds like you're in a similar position with happy startups as well. Exactly. And I think this is for what, what, What's really alive now for me, for someone listening to this, is the way I connect some of these dots. Is it what I think, and I, I, what I, I wish for for for, the, for anyone listening, is to be in that space of when a decision comes along. Ultimately, ideally, to be able to say hell yeah, or hell not now, mm-hmm. and not because they've spent ages thinking about it and ruminating, but because they've explored a practice that allows us to just feel into it, like you Mm -hmm. said, Mm -hmm. and within hopefully minutes, if not seconds, instinctively being able to say, hell yeah, or hell not now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation this is whiz by. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gone from being bright light outside to completely dark in the, <laughs> in the space. Uh, wow. Yeah, time, time Gosh. <laughs> so what's um uh to to close off, uh, what what's what's next for you? What's um what's exciting? What are you looking forward to over the next period, mm-hmm. however long that may be for you? 
Yeah, so um, I've I've currently I've just given a TEDx talk um, a couple of days ago in in Ubud, which was oh nice something that I was um, putting a lot of time and thought and certainly emotional <laughs> energy into, and mm. um, I, it was my birthday a couple of days ago as well. And my parents have just my parents have been here for the last week, so I've been decompressing a little bit after the the emotional roller coaster of the the TEDx talk. And I've actually got a few days up ahead um, where I'm I'm going to be just taking some big sheets of A3 paper and doing some some mind maps and getting clarity around what it is that I'm going to be working on. Um, in the short term, I'm I've been I've just qualified as a meditation teacher or meditation coach, and so I'm designing a, an online course teaching simple meditations and breathing techniques for um, startup founders and remote workers. So that's going to be kind of the focus of my next next month, kind of four to six weeks. Um, well, we'll be super curious about hearing about that, then. <laughs> yeah, and, and potentially there'll be a decision-making meditation in there as well. Um, Boom. After this conversation, it sounds like it's something that we both that we both need, and I'm sure there's lots of other people out there that could could benefit from it. Um, and then in the in the longer term, I've been exploring this idea of of how to human and thinking about a, a kind of leadership academy that would be teaching meditation practices and self-awareness uh, kind of uh, skills and journey exercises to initially to startup founders and I think kind of further on to to leaders more generally and that to me feels very exciting and yeah. expansive but also um intimidating and uh, something that i think is is definitely a, a longer term project so i'm i'm going to be easing my way into that in the coming months hopefully um, but yeah that's I, what I i'm that's, that's what i'm excited about and, and also having the podcast kind of on the side that just you know takes up maybe a morning a morning a week for conversations like this which which really fill me up and give me inspiration and help me to connect with people that i wouldn't have otherwise so that feels like a real gift to have on the back burner as well i love that and um if people were going to um they want to find out more about you this is the shameless promotion mm. piece here where do you want to point them yeah we'll absolutely do search for curious humans on any good podcast app and i'm also johnny miller that's that's j-o-n-n-y-m-1-l-l-e-r on twitter and instagram and you can email me at johnnymiller at mac.com. And yeah, we'd love to love to hear from any any listeners. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I'm now, uh, after everything that you've said about the things that you're interested in doing, uh, I'm, try I'm battling with a hell yeah and a hell not now about wanting to work with you on this stuff. <laughs> well, I'll definitely be looking for some some guinea pigs for the the online course certainly so um i'll let you know when i have something to share brilliant thank you very much again Johnny. It's, it's, it's been it's been a lovely conversation yeah this has been wonderful thank you so much thanks for listening to this happy startup school podcast we're on a mission to help purpose-driven entrepreneurs and individuals find more alignment between what they believe and the work they do. Because for us, happiness is when what you think, say and do are all aligned. 
Happiness isn't just a passive feeling, but an active way of living, which isn't always easy, but when it's done right, can be effortless. We're on a mission to help you find happiness by providing tools, courses and community that inspires you to follow the journey of building a happy startup. This will require finding out more about yourself, as well as learning how to build a purposeful business. If you're excited by this, then please rate and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred platform and then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com. You can also read our blog at ahappy.link forward slash read.